What's up, Embassy City family? I am so excited to have this opportunity to teach God's word. Listen, I am pumped. I had an opportunity to rest last week. And so uh, whether you are a part of our family that used to meet physically, <laughs> this seems like it's been a long time, right? Or you are a part of our extended family watching abroad, welcome. I am so grateful that you have set aside this time so that we can dive into God's word. Juliet sends her love, she says hi. She's usually right by my side to pray for me and greet you all uh, before the service starts, but uh, I relieved her of her duties today. Uh, we're doing some renovations at the house and so uh, the girl needs to rest. But since she always prays for me, would y'all mind if I just pray for my girl real quick? I didn't think you should mind. God, thank you so much for Juliet. Thank you for the incredible woman that she is in Christ. Thank you for the wife that she is, the mother that she is, the incredible, dutiful Jill of all trades that she is. God, I pray that she would be uh, uh, refreshed today, that she rests today, and as she resets, she'll come back even stronger. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, baby! All right, so check this out. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number two, the book of Ephesians, chapter number two. I am so excited uh, for this word this weekend. Uh, so here's what happened. So uh, last uh, month I, I did uh, four weeks called um, uh, We Make Dreams Come True. And in the midst of that uh, series, I did three sermons entitled If I See Something, I Say Something. I thought I had done a really good job of trying to uh, uh, in a theological way, uh, present the body of Christ with a perspective on racism and injustice in this country and how the church needs to respond to that. And so uh, after taking a week to rest, I thought I would be moving on uh, to another topic, another subject. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm not done talking about this and I'm not done talking about this through you. And so uh, I don't have a, 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 a series title for this, but I do have a message for this week. I also have one for next week and the week after the whole month of July. Uh, the remaining month of July is dedicated to speaking on this. And here's what I felt like the Holy Spirit told me last night. He said, Tim, uh, when it comes to getting rid of racism in my body, I, I want you to see it like cancer treatments. I want you to see it like taking the body through rounds of chemotherapy theologically. I want you to see it as 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 the body going through radiation in my word to literally rid the body, especially our body. Of this spirit. So I want you to go to Ephesians chapter number two, uh, starting at the 14th verse. I want to read four verses in your hearing. Then I'll give you the title of the message. Here's what it says. Reading from the New Living Translation. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. 
Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each, towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done through us. Woo, that's so good. All right. So if you're taking notes on this message, the title of this message very, very simply is, is there one? It's the question I want to ask today. Is there one? I grew up in charismatic uh, Pentecostal church, very, very uh, vibrant expressions uh, of faith and a love. I mean, an absolute love for God's word. And in those uh, more traditional charismatic Pentecostal circles, uh, when the uh, preacher would get to the end of his sermon, get to the end of her sermon, they would ask everybody uh, to bow their heads in a time of prayer. They were given that space so that if anybody's heart was stirred by the gospel message at that time, they would have time to reflect and respond if the Holy Spirit was drawing them to Christ. And uh, in that moment, uh, this question would be asked. Is there one? Is there one among us today in response to the message that has just been preached that would like to give their life to Jesus Christ? Is there one? Is there one among us based on the gospel that's just been uh, heard that that wants to give up their old way of living and choose to walk in a new way according to the teachings of Jesus Christ? Is there one? I heard this question asked year after year after year. And as I begin to study for this particular message, the Holy Spirit asked me this question to ask us as the body of Christ. Is there one? Not, not, not one uh, uh, that would come up and respond to the gospel message, but for those that have already committed their lives to Jesus Christ, the question that needs to be asked is, is there one? Is there indeed one body of Christ that the world can look at and see that there is a difference in the way that we have chosen to live our lives? a difference in the way that we have chosen to act in our lives, a difference in the way that we have chosen to respond to life's many challenges compared to what's going on in the world. That's the question I want to answer today. Is there one? I believe that uh, the Apostle Paul makes it very, very clear according to what he just writes and what we've just read in Ephesians chapter number two, verses 14 through 18, that that Jesus Christ indeed had the intention and gave the deliberate action for us to become one. In this particular passage in the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul is talking to Gentiles, a Jewish man uh, talking to Gentiles about their access into the fellowship of God, 
being engrafted into the body of Christ, that the messianic prophecies that were given about Jesus, Yeshua, and his death on the cross made a way for the Jewish people who were close to God and the Gentiles who were far from God to become one as if they were never apart from God. So I want to give you uh, three points because, you know, I like to shoot my three pointers. I'm going to give you the three points uh, based on this message uh, and give you the reasons why the two became one. So if you're heading this, I just want you to write two became one because two became one. Because two became one. Because there's no way that two can become one uh, uh, unless uh, there is a deliberate action that's taken. There's no way that two can become one without intentionality. There's no way two can become one without some forethought and some planning. There's no way two become one by accident. Two became one intentionally on purpose for purpose. So I want you to write down point number one. The two became one because Jesus broke down the wall. That's right. The two became one because point number one, Jesus broke down the wall. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter number two, verse number 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Now, let me just stop right there. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. And so I want you to think about this. Uh, Christ himself is the one that brought peace. Devante just talked about having that overwhelming sense of peace. But I want you to understand peace is just not something to be obtained. It's a person to come into a relationship with. Jesus is described as the prince of peace. So when Christ brings peace, he's not just bringing something to drop off. He's bringing himself. To maintain a space for eternity. For Christ himself have brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Now, I did some study on the, this wall of hostility and uh, there's some great uh, Jewish commentary about uh, what this law really uh, what this wall really represents. Uh, it represents a physical space that was in the temple that actually separated Jews uh, from the access where Gentiles have come into in the temple. What Jesus is saying is I've removed that wall. There was also some hostility based around what the Torah uh, explicitly told uh, the children of Israel, how they were supposed to be in relationship with people that were not in the same covenant with God. And he says, I am tearing down that wall of hostility, not the law, not the Torah, but the ordinances around such laws that would cause there to be a distinction that would separate Jews from Gentiles. And let me tell you why this is very, very important, because if God could do this for Jews and Gentiles, remember, based on his perspective, looking down on earth, all he's ever seen is those that have covenant with him and those that do not. Those that he made a promise and an oath to, which are the Jewish people, and those that do not, which are Gentiles. 
Christ says, I tore down in my own body being broken on the cross. I tore down the wall of hostility that separated Jews from Gentiles. And if that is the case, then it must be the same for us here in America. That God, through the broken body of his son on the cross, removed the wall of hostility between black and white, between Asian and Hispanic, between Russian and Croatian, between Costa Rican and Puerto Rican, between Cuban and uh, Brazilian. He tore down a wall of hostility. Anything that would make us hostile towards each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. He tore the wall down. So why are you still mad? Why, why are you still mad? White man, why are you still mad? Black man, why are you still mad? Mexican man, why are you still mad? Chinese man, why are you still mad? It, as a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm not, I'm not talking about somebody that is, that, that is disconnected from a relationship with God. They got a lot to be mad about. I'm talking about somebody that has confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead. How are you still mad at your brothers and sisters? How could there still be even the slightest drop of prejudice in your heart towards another believer in Jesus Christ? When Paul himself has declared definitively that in Christ's broken body, he removed the wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile, which means God is really good at bringing two different people groups together. God is really good at bringing people that would no other way in history be united together. He's really good at it. So, so there's, there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. There's got to be something wrong with what, we're do, with what we're doing. He took two and turned them into one because he broke down a wall. Now, now here's the thing that, that I just think is important to realize. There is actually a wall. We have to recognize as believers that Satan has been really good about putting up walls between us in this country. That America is the most uh, sophisticated uh, country in the world at reminding us simultaneously who we are and who we are not. Based on skin tone, based on uh, finances, based on zip code. <laughs> Based on college, based on height, based on weight, we are constantly being reminded and bombarded by walls. And I want to make sure that those walls that are out there don't start getting set up in the church. Because we won't go back to scripture and realize that he tore down the walls of hostility. He literally tore them down and he didn't do it with jackhammer and sledgehammer and wrecking ball. He did it with his own body. And I refuse to disrespect that broken body that went to that cross to tear down the wall of hostility to still be mad. As somebody that doesn't look exactly like me, 
doesn't worship exactly like me, doesn't even think exactly like me. He came to tear down that wall of hostility. Point number two, please write this down. The two became one because Jesus created a new group. One of my favorites. The two became one because Jesus created a new group. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter number two, verse number 15. He did this by ending the system of law with his commandments and regulations. Now, I just want to pause once again, because a lot of people think that uh, uh, Jesus came to do away with the law. If he did away with the law, he'd be doing away with himself. He did not come to do away with the law. He came to be the fulfillment of the law. A better way to say that is he came to fill up the law with himself. And so Jesus doesn't come to do away with the law and start something new. He comes to, in the best expression of that law, be the fulfillment of it, the filling up of it. And give us the way to walk it out. So so he's not ending the system of law and his commandments and regulations Rather, it is the ordinances that uh, uh, the rabbis uh, that used to interpret the Torah put around the laws that God gave to the children of Israel. He does away with those. Look at this. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people. From the two groups. Now, (laughs) y'all. I wish we would all get back to this book because this book makes it so simple. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Here's what Jesus said for all the division. All the division that would ever be dividing anybody for all time. He said, just get in me. You over there, get in me. Jews, you're very, very near. Step on over and get in me. Hey, Gentiles, you're far away. Come over here, get in me. That that, that way, uh, when it comes to identity, you won't just be uh, uh, celebrating your Jewishness and you won't just be loathing the fact that that, that you were far and you're a Gentile. In me, I'm just going to create a new people group. Because because y'all getting carried away in your own identity. So get in me. And identify as me, not you anymore, me. Now, let's bring this into the context of all the tension that's going on in this country. Could it be that the only reason why you're still trying to maintain that blackness? Because you haven't jumped inside him. The reason why you're trying to maintain that whiteness because you haven't jumped inside of him. The reason why you're trying to maintain that culture is because you haven't jumped into kingdom culture. The reason why you have not uh, let go of the thing that you think makes you you is because you have not died to you yet so that you can become him. Jesus said, I'm going to break this whole thing up. You get in me. You get in me there. Now you're a new people group. Who should we call you? The church. Black church? No. The church. White church? No. The church. Catholic church? No. The church. Pentecostal church? No. The church. Lutheran church? No. The church. 
Because whatever you put in front of that word church is the idol you're trying to keep in my church. There is no black church and white church and Hispanic church and Asian church. Again, it is America's cultural divide that's crept into the church that has us uh, uh, categorizing ourselves like Americans. When we know for a fact we're citizens of heaven. He said, I, I, I can fix all this division. Just get in me and, and, and put your identity down compared to mine. I, 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 I didn't tell you to, to forget your black heritage. I did not tell you to forget your white heritage. I did not tell you to forget your Spanish heritage. I just said in comparison to me, make sure that you prioritize where your identity really lies. <laughs> and it's not in your ethnicity. It's not in your sexual orientation. It's not in your affiliation politically. It's in one place. Christ Jesus. The two became one because he in his own body decided to make a new people group. You know why? Because he knew that if we were left to our own devices, we would always find something to divide us. It's the nature of man to divide. It is the nature of Christ to unify. So he says, I want you in my body and I don't want you to identify as you anymore. You must identify as me. Think it not strange that that there are so many people trying to identify themselves with such unique labels. Because, of course, the enemy would want you to identify with 20 other things. To keep you so distracted and disoriented that you would never identify yourself as a believer in Jesus Christ. I won't be your black preacher. Well, I won't be. I, I, I will be a believer in Jesus Christ who happens to be black. And I'm happy about the skin I'm in, but compared to what I found in Christ, I count this dung. Because I won't show up in this shade in heaven anyway. Our spirits will be reconciled with him. Now, I can hear somebody saying, well, well, what about Revelation 7 where it says all nations, every tribe, every tongue? Yeah, 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 yeah. We love the diversity, but not at the expense of unity. When diversity brings division, it is no longer something to be celebrated. It is something to be corrected. So I'm telling you. This point. You need to choose which group you're in. Jesus made it very, very easy. Uh, You can jump into my body and be referred to as the body of Christ. One body. Where Jews, Gentiles and every other nationality that you could possibly imagine can be found in me. Or you can jump outside of my body and try to be your own body. But that's a cancer cell. It's a free radical. And it metastasizes and starts to eat away at the true body of Christ. And this is why theologically we're going to pump some radiation (laughs) into the body because we need to shrink those dangerous cells from taking form. I refuse to come out of the context scripturally that Christ made us one to have an argument or so more division or more strife between who is supposed to be my brother and my sister. Point number three. 
The two became one because Jesus reconciled all. I say again that the two became one because Jesus reconciled all. So just a quick recap. Point number one, the two became one because Jesus broke down the wall. Got that? Check. Point number two, the two became one because Jesus created a new group. You got that? Check. Point number three, the two became one because Jesus reconciled all. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter number two, verse number 16. Together as one body. Do you all see how many times Paul in four verses has said the same exact thing over and over again? One, one, one. What is he driving? What is he driving home for Gentiles? This is a Jewish man telling this to Gentiles. The man who has the, 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 the bloodline that can connect back to Abraham. The man that has the bloodline that 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 gives him the right to 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 boast about his relationship with the promised Messiah. Says to Gentiles who were far away from God, never had the covenant in every single way was distant. He says to those Gentiles, hey, I just want you to know we're equal now. We're one. I, I don't even have any more Jewish privilege. You have as much privilege in the kingdom as I do. You are not a second class citizen in the kingdom of God. You are now on par with me. You are equal with me. We both needed the shed blood of Jesus Christ to be in the body that we're now in. And I don't have a head start in front of you anymore. We are now brothers. Equal. We were near. You were far. But thank God that we're both in. Here's what he says. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God. By means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. I got to read that slower. Christ reconciled both groups to who? To God. I need you to see the order. He reconciled both groups to God. He reconciled both groups to God, not to each other. He reconciled both of the groups to God by means of his death on the cross and in connection with our hostility towards each other was put to death. Now, this is this is really important. He reconciled both groups to God. Because he knew he cannot reconcile both groups to each other. See, we're having the wrong conversation in this country as it relates to racial reconciliation. There is no actual racial reconciliation to be had between black and white people in this country. Because to reconcile means to restore to a previous relationship. Of which black Americans in this country and white Americans did not have a relationship. They had a business transaction. The, the 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 white slave owners lost their machines. They, 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 they lost their 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 generators uh, of uh, work output. So there's no reconciliation there. This is why every time uh, we keep scrambling around in our churches to have a racial reconciliation day, it doesn't work. 
because you're trying to reconcile something by which you don't have a relationship with. You phoned the black pastor down the street. The black pastor that you don't eat with, you don't visit his house, you don't know his wife's name, you don't know his kid's name. You phoned the white pastor. You don't have a relationship with him. You just know he's the other big church in the city. And so you want to get on the phone real quick and have a photo op and you put two different colors side by side, two different cultures side by side. That doesn't say we're one. Only in the body of Christ can we be one. Christ gives us through Paul's writings the clearest formula. Christ takes both of the groups and says, we need to go to my dad's house. Because it's only uh, when you get reconciled to your father that you can put away the hostility that you've had for each other. And so Christ, based on his death on the cross, reconciles both of these groups to the only place they can be reconciled to, the only person they can be reconciled to, and that is God. Reconciliation only happens with God. Then the hostility can be torn down and put to death with each other. He reconciled the two groups to God and our hostility with each other died. Now, let me tell you why this is so important to me and why um, I'm so passionate about this. I was born and raised in Inglewood, California. Uh, I was born in a very um, uh, diverse environment. Uh, Cal Southern California has uh, so many different groups of people. And uh, I got to the South and it was only when I got to the South that I, ex that I started to experience um, uh, what it must have been like for uh, black Americans uh, living in the South at that time. There, even though segregation um, uh, was done away with, there were still these lines of demarcation that people were still governing themselves by two generations later. Um, I had the opportunity uh, for two years to travel with Josh McDowell, who is an incredible Christian apologist, uh, through the heartland of America. And uh, for two years, I was his stage manager and MC. And uh, we went to church venues to put on Christian events uh, for young people uh, to bring them closer to Christ. It was in that 24 month period that I experienced the worst racism that I had ever experienced in my entire life. And it was all from church people. And this is when I knew um, that this spirit can be in the church, even though people open up their Bibles every week and preach from it. Even though people attend church every weekend and want to feel the presence of God, there can still be division if we have not looked to Scripture to find out we, where we are supposed to find ourselves. There was no sense in me trying to address the racism that we got exposed to as we were going on these uh, tour dates uh, because we were only going to be there for, you know, five or six hours uh, at the most. But I had never been apologized to uh, by white men uh, such as Josh McDowell and the crew that I rode with as much as I was on that tour because they could see the ugliness of that racism in churches. Reconciliation wasn't going to happen because uh, we got in their face and start to chew them out. It was only going to happen when we got in the presence of God. If Christ doesn't bring you back to God to be reconciled in this area, there's always going to be a wall of hostility 
between us. And that can be black, white, that can be black, Asian, that can be black, Chinese, that can be black, Southeast Asian, that can be black, Native American. It doesn't matter. The enemy is good at division. Christ is good at unity. So is there one? Usually we would ask the question at the end of uh, a sermon to see if somebody wanted to give their life to Jesus Christ. But uh, my, my question is a little bit different today. And it's something I hope that you answer in your heart individually. Is there one? Do you truly see yourselves a part of one body? Or have you allowed a wall to be set up in your heart that you may not even be aware of? Is there one? Could you walk into a predominantly black church and say, I'm one with these people, not culturally, spiritually. Is there one? Could you walk into a predominantly white church and still feel like you had brothers and sisters there, like you were a part of the world's greatest fraternity and sorority? Is there one? I think that's a question that you and I need to answer. This is an open book test. Yes, there's one. The question we need to answer is if we want to be. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? Is there one? You know, America does a really good job of putting up walls. You would be amazed how many people live their life going through the maze of invisible walls that this country has so masterfully put up. I don't go to that side of town because that side of town is this. I don't go to that side of town because that side of town is that. I don't eat over there because that's this. I don't eat over there because that's that. I don't shop there because that's this. I don't shop there. I don't hang out with them because of this. I don't hang out with those people because of that. Wow. A lot of walls up. Only one place that these walls came down. And it was in his broken body. It was in his shed blood. It was in his ability to forecast what the major division would be and say, before we even get started, let me clear everything up. In my broken body, I just wanted to take the two groups of people, the chosen people, and those that were not chosen, the Jew and the Gentile, the, 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 the Jew and everybody else. And in my body on the cross, I, I just wanted to make a new group of people that the whole world could look to and go, 
they're different. Not that the world would look to and go, I can't tell the difference. Christ's broken body on that cross and his blood being poured out for the remission of our sins was to make a new group of people that would be so distinct from others around them that they would, out of curiosity, have to go, how are y'all so different? How do y'all get along? How is it that you're not having the same problems in the church that we're having in this country? Oh, that's, that's pretty easy. It's because Christ made us one. That takes surrender. That takes submission. That takes forgiveness. That takes humility. Is there one? Father God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would take this message on this day, that you would, Holy Spirit, baptize us again into the body of Christ for the purposes of your glory and our benefit in such a crazy world. In Jesus' name, amen.